Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we are looking at new wide receiver rankings following the regular season in college football. This has given us a chance to look at a ton of finalized regular season film for so many of these players. We're going to give you our top 15s and beyond for the 2024 NFL Draft. A lot of different conversations, a lot of updated thoughts and rankings, even from when we were talking about these guys in the summer and through the through the beginning of the regular season as well. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers joining you on a very, very exciting midweek episode of the podcast. The regular season of college football is in the books, so we have all of that tape to review of so many of these players. So we're getting back to some of these position re-rankings. We've given you guys our summer scouting. We've talked about some of these guys throughout the season, some guys that have been moving up and down. But we haven't done these full positional re-evaluations yet. Today, we start that journey. We're starting with everybody's favorite position. The one that everybody's got some sort of opinion on one way or the other. Probably the deepest position class that we have in 2024. It's wide receivers, baby. Connor, I'm very excited about this one. We have so many wide receivers to talk about. Normally, we go with, ah, yeah, let's chat about our top fives, maybe top tens. Today, we're getting into like top 15s. We're going to talk a little bit about guys in like the top 20s, top 25s that we have watched. We got a lot of names to throw out there with a lot of film that's been watched. But, dude, it's a fun one. That's why we're watching so many of these guys. There's so many good ones to uh, to talk about. A lot of fun. And honestly, and I shouldn't have been this way because it's still early. It's December. We, we're going to get to see a lot of these guys at the Senior Bowl and the Combine and things can change. But I was a little stressed these last two weeks. Yeah, for I, real. <laughs> I, I just felt like every time I watched somebody, I was like, oh, I really like this player. Oh, I really like this player. And then when I put them all in my updated tab of position rankings and I put all my summer rankings below it so I could see how things change. Yep, same. I I was pulling hair out of putting this guy over this guy and this guy over this guy when it's not the final rankings, but this is an important step for us, Trevor. And it was, you're right. It was a joy to watch because of the talent. This group blows last year's out of the water. Um, I I think people listening know, you know, some of the obvious at the top, but I think, they will be very surprised when we talk about the conversation about the guys in the middle. Yeah. And I, I think my biggest takeaway big picture is that a guy could be 14th today and he's still easily a top 100 player at the oh, moment right for now. Sure. That, that's what's so jarring about this. So Dude, top 75. Even. I like, would agree. I, I, I would agree. You you talked about this being a challenge for you because you, you watch so many guys and you liked a lot of them. I was the same way. And 
it got to the point where I'm sitting here like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm setting a lot of the details up within my scouting sheet. So that means I'm filling a lot of the columns and the tabs for these guys. And one of them is like, okay, round grade. And it's not like, like you said, it's not the final eval for these players, but I'm putting in a preliminary round grade, you know, before all-star events, before bowl season, before the senior bowl or before, um, before the combine. And I've got so many of these guys that I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a late first, early second film grade. Yeah, that's a second round film grade. Yeah, that's a second, late second, early third film grade. Like I have so many players that I'm going to have, like you mentioned, in my top 100, in my top 75, in my top 50, because right. there's so many of these guys that are able to win in all different shapes and sizes. And you mentioned it. We like this class a lot better than we liked last year's class. We'll try to put it in perspective. You and I had Jackson Smith and Jigba as our top wide receiver last year. Um, at some point as we go through these things, I will say like, Hey, this is the Jackson Smith and Jigba line. Like this is where I would have had him in this class as kind of it stands today with our, uh, with our first rechecks now that the regular season is done. So how do you want to do this, man? I, I, do you want to start like talking at f- 15 and working our way down? Do you want to start at, at 10? Do you want to briefly talk about the top 20 guys? How do you want to do this? I think the easiest format for people to follow is we go 15 to 11 out of the gate. Maybe okay. talk about that group and then we'll do the countdown from 10 to one and then maybe have a discussion at the end about guys that we like, but are on the outside looking in, or it could be a guy that, Hey, I know he's going to be in mobile. Trevor and I are going to be on the practice field. I'm going to be able to answer some questions there or combine questions here. Uh, do you think that's the easiest format? Look, follow you know, for- this is this is why you're a pro you know because this is this is this is just a straightforward format you're giving the people what they want that's it's the beautiful so i'll let you kick it off then okay you, you go 15 through 11 give me the names we'll have a little reaction and uh i'll let you talk about maybe one or two guys wherever they are in in, in um in 15 through 11 before i get to my reaction to those players so 15 to 11 for me 15 i had jamari thrash from louisville okay who i i really like a lot i i'm sitting here just appalled that this man is 15th in this class because um i've talked a little bit about him on the show he transferred from georgia state he's a he's a big play guy that if you're in an offense that understands how to use guys in motion and keep hands off of them and and create space this guy's a problem so i i really really liked him and then 14 a really interesting player that we will see at the senior bowl, Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky. Okay. He's drawing a lot of conversations about being a Debo usage kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Cause we need to, we do. You and I had a long conversation about Corley on summer scouting. So people mm-hmm. that have followed this whole journey with us, you know, know about a lot about Corley already. Uh, 13 for me is Xavier worthy from Texas, the speedster who, you know, once upon a time, Worthy was looked at as a guy that like, hey, he's he's going to be a top three to five wide receiver in his class. So this just speaks to the talent um, in this group. And I think, you know, depending where you have him, we'll, we'll have a conversation about Worthy because when a guy is you, people are seeing him in top fives and I have him outside the top 10. Like, I, I want to explain why at 12, somebody that I think is just such a good player all around. He will get open. He will catch the ball. He's pretty explosive, all things considered. He's just not the biggest guy in the world is Lad McConkey from Georgia. He's been banged up this year. Um, you know, he might project as an inside guy. So that's one where 
love the player and feel confident in the player, but maybe not the same upside that some of these guys have. And it's mm-hmm. it's funny when you have that conversation with yourself because you're like, man, you know, I'm sure a lot of scouts said that about Puka Nakua last year, where they're like, well, I don't right. I don't see the upside in him but i like what he could be as a number four or five and you've seen what he's done right away and now I, he's a and now he's a well i don't want to say number one because cooper cuffs a bona fide number two <laughs> yeah, yeah but obviously he's a stud and then number 11 somebody that this is the one that I, I despise leaving out of the top 10 and he he ultimately might be in my top 10 because i think one of my players in my top 10 could be going back to school and we'll get there but number 11 was A.D. Mitchell and A.D. Mitchell size and speed touchdown catching machine. Um, he can go find the football, but I think there are some shortcomings to his game that the appearance doesn't always match what you would expect to get from him mm-hmm. physically. And, and I do think him and worthy at times were held back at times by Quinn Ewers. Like, I, I think I don't, I'm not a big Quinn guy. I think Quinn leaves a lot on the field at times. So I think that was frustrating at times watching them. But yeah, 15 to 11 for me was Jamari Thrash, Malachi Corley, Xavier Worthy, Lad McConkey, and A.D. Mitchell. And it's it's wild saying some of those names and they are not in the top 10 because they are really good players. Yeah, there's, there's two of those guys who I am intrigued by and like a decent amount who aren't in my top 15. So I just want to kind of touch on those before we get to a couple of the other guys. Um, Malachi Corley is one who I did not have in my top 15. And I get it. And I, you know, this is somebody who has a really big hive on social media. And I understand why he does, because when you watch Western Kentucky over the last couple of years, he is such a unique player. You mentioned it. He reminds people of Debo Samuel's type of usage, right? Get this guy the ball in his hands in any way, and he is a yards-after-catch machine. I mean, more so last year than this year, yep. but there were there are reps from the 2022 tape where he gets that ball in his hand, and it's almost like it's like a Super Mario mushroom for him. Like yeah. he just yeah. he like becomes this this monster of a ball carrier. And when you think about his background, it gives a little comp- context to that. And it gives context to some of my concerns, which I do want to talk about here in a second. He actually got to Western Kentucky as a cornerback recruit and ends up making the switch over to running back bef- as he gets on campus. So he never actually played corner for them, even though he's a corner recruit, a DB recruit in high school. Moves over to running back. So he's playing running back for the first couple of years at Western Kentucky. Moves over to wide receiver. So him becoming this running back when he gets the ball in his hands, that's why. He's got a legit running back background. Now, the part where I didn't like Corley as much as some of the other guys in this class, it's not to take anything away from that unique after-catch ability. He just doesn't have a lot of nuance of playing wide receiver. Like... He doesn't have a lot of experience and efficiency getting off press coverage. He doesn't really have a variety of different releases when he is going up against closer press coverage. You know, the, the stance and the release, it's pretty much the same. It's a typical speed release, or he's kind of struggling to get off of that press close coverage. His route running is also um, pretty simple, which is... He's okay. not asked to do a lot. Yeah, and, and that's like, I don't, I don't want to like hold that against him because they're probably just trying to scheme up opportunities to get him in space, but... 
the route running and the route tree, it's very simplistic. And to me, I remember because Debo Samuel was one of my first senior bowls that I got to attend in person. I think it was maybe my second senior bowl. But I remember watching Debo at the senior bowl. And the thing that impressed me the most wasn't the unique athleticism. It wasn't the yards after catch ability. It was he was cooking people in red zone drills, like in press coverage situations. He was winning one-on-one with these different releases and getting off of press coverage. And he already showed that going to the pro level. Now he is that on steroids. Not really. Don't drug test him. You know, he's not on steroids, but you guys know what I mean. For Corley, I don't see that same type of route runner going into the NFL. Now that doesn't mean that he's not going to become a better route runner. He could. It's just that if he doesn't like if, if he only gets marginally better at the nuances of playing receiver, I don't know outside of schemed up touches for him in a rotational role. If he's going to be this full-time receiver, even for as special as he is when he gets the ball in his hands. So that was my big drawback for Corley and why he wasn't in my top 15. And I agree with you. I think that if you take him, you really need to have a key plan for this guy. I think he's going to be one of those players that he's going to be motioned in and out of the backfield. I think you're going to it's almost kind of in a way, but to a watered down extent, what Munkin has done at times with Zay Flowers this year. I think that would be sure. Right. Like that. But. I think Zay Corley, even Zay's got the releases like Zay, Zay can, can win down the field at times. Zay can win down the field. Yeah. Zay Zay also wins with so much suddenness. Like he right. is. I didn't see that in Corley. He he yeah. Corley's not that same type of dude. So yeah, he, but I agree with I agree with the role though. I do. He has 109 screen targets over the last two years. <laughs> there you go. Screen targets. There you go. That's crazy. Some guys don't see that in their career. And it's a pro pro and a con, right? The pro is he's clearly a beast after the catch. So you want to just get the ball in his hands. But it's a con because it has held back development from true wide receiver work that you need at the NFL level. And and, and it's tough because I think a lot of people want to just go to Debo. And that's dangerous. The reason why people go to Debo is because he's basically the – one of the only successful stories that you have with that kind of mold. A lot of those other guys who might've been great at that in college aren't great at that in the NFL. Cause you got to become a little bit more nuanced of a receiver. You got to be able to separate in different ways. You got to have a more diverse route tree, that kind of stuff. So I hope we see that from Corley and I hope Corley's we see got that a, senior bowl. Corley's got a lot on the line in mobile. Yeah. This is oh, one for, sure. for me where if It'll I go huge. down there and it's, it's exactly what I saw on tape to the, what the scheme limits him to do. I would probably drop him behind Thrash and a couple other guys that were outside my top 15. If he goes down there and he's shown improvement and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is an area where I'm allowed to do other things, then he'll easily hold this spot and even creep up towards the top 10. Who was the other guy? Um, Who was the other guy that I wanted to talk about? Thrash? Uh, yeah, so I, I don't have Thrash in there. I have Thrash just on the outside. Thrash and Roman Wilson, who I also have just outside of my top 15. I like both of those dudes. Um, thrash isn't quite the athlete that Roman Wilson is. So I actually have Roman Wilson, I think one or two spots higher than him, but I do like that Jamari thrash, like will show you the different releases is comfortable against press coverage. He's got really nice hands. He's strong for 185, 190 pounds. Um, I, I think he's a really good, like all around athlete. You know, I think he's got adequate long speed change of direction, uh, agility, like that kinds of stuff. But 
I didn't think any of the three were major difference makers. So it, it's good that he's got a lot of nuance and kind of how he runs routes and how he gets off the line of scrimmage because I think he needs it and it's what made him an effective receiver. But I wonder if I'm sleeping on his long speed a little bit because I couldn't really find any information of, hey, he used to run track in high school. Hey, here's what he was clocked at. Like, here's what the school is like clocked him at, something like that. So combine, I think, is going to be big for him because right now I think he's an adequate athlete. If he's a little bit better than I believe right now, then the tape all of a sudden gets really nice because he's proven to be a pretty good vertical thread this year. But I, I thought the double moves were out of this world. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, and he sells I, them really well. Oh, that's what I mean. Like it's like it's a win now skill. Yeah. His his double move would win in the NFL today. Uh, and I thought some of the double moves in this class with guys ahead of him were horrendous. They're just so big, <laughs> long and fast that it didn't matter. So good for them. But I, not for was, Lad McConkey, baby. Oh, man. Lad is Lad is quite good. I will say. Um, and once again, a guy that I hated leaving outside of my top 10. Yeah, I did, too. So much so that I didn't. Nice. <laughs> Respect. All right, so, but that so, means you left somebody else out that's really, really good as I'm looking at this list. I've got one name here that we're going to get to in a second that I know that you and I are going to have a little bit of a conversation of because I know he's in your top 10 and I've got him a little bit further outside of my top 10. Um, okay, so you want me to go 15 through 11? Yeah, go ahead. So 15 for me is Brendan Rice. Okay. Jerry Rice's son, USC. Yeah. I thought the last couple of years he's done really, really well just showing how you can win in the little ways of the position. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit taller than Jerry Rice was, but you could tell, man, I mean, this guy is, he's already got a wide variety of releases. He knows when to use them versus inside leverage and outside leverage. He's not the fastest dude in the world, but man, there is no fat on his first step explosiveness, how he's getting out of his stance. The hands are so active. You know, some of these guys, like, they get off the line of scrimmage and their hands are, like, down by their hips or their knees. Like, they're not coming up at all. This dude, I mean, the hands are chugging. And the second he hits, he eats up the cushion on off coverage and he gets to where he is even and bumping up with the receiver. That hand is chopping through and he is cleanly getting by him as good as he can. I think his stop-start ability is pretty nice for a guy who's six foot three, over 200 pounds. So I like him, but he's another dude who combines huge for um, where he's and is going to end up being for me. This is the surprise player, Jalen Polk. I have Jalen Polk at 14. Um, I can get into a little bit of this, but I think we're going to have a little bit of a conversation. So I'll just say Jalen Polk is 14. I, I would talk about it now because he's number 10 for me. Okay. So, well, That's hold not, on. Let, let me get yeah, through. finish, but I don't think it's as far off as you, you were expecting there. So Xavier Worthy is 13 for me. I think he was 13 for Interesting. you. So yes. There we go. Um, I think Xavier Worthy... His speed is is just such a difference maker, but his strength, bro, he's is, a featherweight, is an issue, man. Yes, I thought it, the wind on the field was going to take him out of the stadium at times. And I like him better than I liked Jalen Hyatt last year, but Ooh. it's sort of like what? Did you like Hyatt I don't, better? I don't, I don't know yet. I like I like Worthy better than I liked Hyatt last year, but it's that same conversation that we're going to have again lightning quick player because here's why I like it better than Hyatt. I don't think Hyatt had enough nuance to his game. I thought he was just speed to go along with him being very light worthy. I at least think has more releases is more confident in getting off press at least shows a little bit more versatility in his routes. So I think worthy is a better receiver 
than high it was, but we're having the same conversation about like, okay, is the strength just that big of a negative? Like, is it really going to impede? Because, dude, I'm watching this Packers-Giants game a couple nights ago. I think the first play of the game, they threw to Jalen Hyatt, and he just like dropped the ball because he got hit. You know, and it's like, <laughs> come on, man. This is exactly what we were talking about. Right. So I'm kind of having this conversation with Xavier Worthy again. I have Xavier Leggett at 12. Um, okay. Extremely unique player who is very tough to place for me. I like I've him. struggled too. And, but he is he is kind of difficult to place. And then 11, I don't know if you watched this guy because we talked a little bit before the show and told me who you watched. Did you watch Jermaine Burton from Alabama? Not a, I have not seen him since last year. Dude, I like Jermaine Burton, man. Interesting. I I'll mean, do I will do a rewatch. He he just fell off the face of the earth to me. And I've seen him on broadcast this year have his moments. Dude, he the the footwork, the quickness. Again, I go back to it. If you can win off the line of scrimmage, that is such a plus oh, to massive. me. And he already has a bunch of different releases that he goes to very, very confidently. He's a really good route runner, and he's strong as hell at the catch point. He's just a little bit smaller. So you put this dude in the slot, like, whew. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're cooking with gas. Like, I genuinely believe, and we'll get to these guys in a second, but, like, Burton, uh, Lad McConkey, Emeka Buka. Like, I think Burton's in that conversation with those two dudes. Or, yeah. He was a summer scouting 2022 guy. Like, heavy. He was. Yeah. Heavy. Remember he yeah. transferred, and we were like, oh, or I don't even know if he transferred, but yeah, I remember he, he did. Was, no, he was at Georgia yeah. for two years, and then he was yeah. out of Alabama. We, we talked a lot about him. So, I I mean, I'll definitely get to him. Uh, that's interesting, though. So, he's 12? He's 11 for me. 11. I got him at 11. I just think he he already wins in so many ways that are translatable to the NFL level. You put this dude in the slot, we're cooking. We're so, cooking read here. those one more time for the good okay. people at home, excluding myself. <laughs> Brendan Rice. Uh, 15, Jalen Polk at 14, Xavier Worthy at 13, Xavier Leggett at 12, and Jermaine Burton at 11. Yeah, okay. Okay. We talking about Polk? Yeah, I think it will have the Polk conversation. Because Polk's 10 for you, right? So I guess he's, this is a good transition. Yeah, he's he's 10 for me. I flipped him and A.D. Mitchell about 45 times, <laughs> genuinely. I just sat there in the dock with copy and paste and just kept going back and forth because I think they're totally different. That's why it was so hard to do. I look at Polk. And I think the best way to explain his game is like the diet soda version of Chris Godwin. That's how he likes to play in my eyes. But I mean, he's not there yet. Don't get me wrong. Godwin. No, no, no. I, I, you say you saying diet Chris Godwin or Chris Godwin light, whatever, however you want to say it. Like I, I can see where you're coming from there. Yeah. That's why I really liked uh, what he was able to do this year. But I mean, sure. There's just physically, he doesn't have the same gifts as a lot of these guys. I, right. I think that's probably what you're leaning towards. Yeah, I, I don't think he's as much of an athlete as the rest of these guys. No, and he's not. Th- this is something that you will notice in my ranking. I've been burned a lot before on contested catch only receivers. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> I think I think contested catch. I think contested catching ability is jaw dropping, eye popping. It's what gets the people going. It's provocative. Yeah. (laughs) But when that, when you don't win in other ways, it is really tough to make a living like that at the pro level. And for Polk, I think he relies too much on that contested catchability. And I think you saw that because 
in the beginning of the year, this year, he started off hot. He had one, two, three, four, five, six out of his first eight games this year. He went over 100 yards and he had six touchdowns, seven touchdowns in his first eight games. So this dude was absolutely unconscious for the first six games that, that, that Washington played. But in the last one, two, three, four, five weeks, he had just one touchdown. Yep. And against Oregon State and Washington State, he had zero catches for zero yards on 10 targets. And it's like, okay, when you then pair that with he wasn't really that big of an impactful receiver the previous season, now all of a sudden you kind of just have a really small sample size of him winning with some really spectacular, strong, contested catches and not a lot of consistency outside of that for a two-year stretch. So I think that... those things are, are kind of what, what floats in my head. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. His his pre-snap stance is very upright. He doesn't really explode out of his stance. It's not really a loaded stance. You know, you see some guys, you know, you, what you want is you want to be able to, some guys just like load on their back foot anyways. They're more comfortable with it. But ideally, you'd love to be able to load your weight on your front foot and be able to just explode off of that and really get into get really up the field immediately as as fast as you possibly can. Some guys don't do that. It's not the worst thing in the world, but Jalen Polk, it's almost like he's, he's not even really exploding off of either leg. So I don't really love his setup when he comes off the line of scrimmage, his hands are very low and that. So when corners come up to block him, he always is giving up his chest, even though he is a willing blocker and gets his hands up there. He's late to do it. The low hands also go into him kind of getting off contact as he, as he, gets to where corners are in the contact window, especially on the breaks of his routes. He's not as flexible. He doesn't have the best change of direction agility. He doesn't have the best long speed. And so when I take all those things into account, he's kind of just a contested catch guy. And I still think he's a really good one, but how high am I drafting guys that I feel were only contested catch guys in college and it only gets tougher to separate when you get to the pro level. So that's why I got him at 15. I was surprised I was that low on him when it was all said and done. Cause I really liked him at the beginning of the year, but got to stay true to kind of what I saw throughout the whole regular season. So my counter to that Trevor, and I agree with a lot of what you said is that I think he's just a total junkyard dog in the middle of the field. Like I, I think he, he's tough as hell. I, he I actually like that shit. You bringing up the Chris Godwin thing. Cause that's what Chris Godwin does so well. He did it so well at Penn state. He does it so well in Tampa when they need a 15 yard in route over this the middle of the field, they go to Chris Godwin every time. And if that's yeah. Polk, fantastic. But I have him as like a second, third round grade right now. And Godwin got picked in the third. So that was, that's like kind of the range that I could see anyways, but. Yeah, I didn't mean I, to cut you off. Didn't mean to no, cut. no, you're good. I mean, just jumping in the numbers a little bit in the intermediate um, 
part of the field in the middle of the field. So 10 to 20 yard range in the middle of the field. He caught 10 of 15 targets, 155 yards, two touchdowns. The Penix had 140.3 passer rating when targeting him there. I think that's where he'll make his bread and butter at the next level because he's just he'll get the absolute stuffing knocked out of him. And I think he doesn't care. And those guys are just a little something different with them. And to your point, he has to do that because I don't think he is going to run extremely well. And I don't think he's wildly explosive, um, but he's he's got enough and he will do the dirty stuff. And he's does it with enough size, like a lot of dudes that do that. It's like, well, he's 5'10 and he weighs 180. So he'll last three weeks. But this guy, he's going to play over 200 pounds. He's over right. six feet tall easily. He could be that bigger slot if you want him to be. And uh, that's where I think he has to make his bread and butter. But I think with that, you want to move to number 10? Yeah. So, okay. So he was, well, that was, 10. that was 10 for me. So, yep. I have, I, so I have AD Mitchell at 10. Oh, I, I'm shocked by this. I thought we were going to have to have a conversation and I guess we don't. Cause I, I, had, am, I am also shocked that I yeah. end up having AD Mitchell it, at 10. I mean, let's just talk about this. It is, and I sh- have been doing this long enough that I shouldn't feel this way. It is jarring watching college football all year. And I admittedly watched less of it than I used to because Sunday through Friday, I am doing NFL bumper to bumper. Like when my eyes open to when I go to sleep. So Saturdays are not what they used to be, but, and I, I just get more out of the tape and this is where I'm going with this watching all of the tape of these guys compared to what I saw from college football on a down by down basis. It's just mind blowing what you think of them then. And then what you think of them after. And I guess Mitchell is, is kind of one of those guys of that story. There is so much that AD Mitchell does well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got like a, I have a second round grade on him right now. And I've teetered between that, like late first to early second grade versus like a, just a second round grade. And I went back and forth on that a lot because when I look at the the categories of how I grade these guys, he passes a lot of these tests. You know, when we go to some of the more advanced like PFF data, like we have separation percentage, right? So that's how often you are creating an open target. We also have separation percentage versus single coverage. I think those two are very valuable numbers to have on these players. And for A.D. Mitchell, his separation percentage. So how often he created an open target. Remember, this is a this is a six foot four, 195, 200 pound receiver. So like this is a big receiver. You're not expecting a ton of separation normally from bigger receivers. 75.5% regular separation percentage, which is in the 75th. So the 75th percentile, and the way that I will explain this, because I'm gonna bring this up for a lot of different players at a lot of different positions when i bring up percentile what that is saying is it is a percentile of this player and what he did in college versus receivers who have played a decent amount at the nfl level so like you would say have have like made it either been consistent rotational players obviously spot starters consistent starters guys like that so it's him versus those players over the last four to five years and how those players did in college, right? So it's it's the guys who made it at the NFL level and how they produced and how they played, how they played in college versus 
what A.D. Mitchell is doing right now. And A.D. Mitchell is obviously just the example. So his separation percentage is in the 75th percentile. His separation percentage versus single coverage, even 74th percentile. And so it's like, damn, man, this guy, he moves so well for a big receiver. Yeah, he does. He's so smooth. He's got a great shoulder dip on a speed release to get upfield and to get vertical. He can, he can handle a double move. He can throttle his speeds in and out. The biggest worry that I have with him is honestly just the fact that he looks so different from play to play. Like it, it's kind of like the body language. Um, if he's not the primary receiver, it looks like he's kind of like moving at a different speed. You know, like how we saw with the old Baylor offenses. Oh yeah, you know, like, they just stand there. Where yeah, if if if, if they weren't part of the half field read, they're literally not even moving. They're just asking the corner like, "Hey bro, how you doing? Doing all right? Family good? Everybody good? Yeah, things going well? How are classes? All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, man. So like that's it's it's not to that extent, but Mitchell has all the talent in the world. He has some of my favorite plays of any receiver in this receiver class for the routes that he has, for what kind of a red zone threat he is, to how money he has been as a third down option for this Texas team, everything that he has been for for, for that team this year. And going back to Georgia, I just don't know if he plays with that fire that I want him to play with because there's sometimes he does. It's almost yeah. like the George Pickens thing, right? Where it Pickens is. on one play looks like an absolute dog. And Mitchell's the same way. Mitchell has those plays where he looks like a complete dog. But then there's other plays where, I don't know, he's just not the same player. So all of the talent in the world, I just don't know exactly what to do with him. So it's, that's it's where I've got him. Funny reading my negative notes because I wrote it as his routes can lack tempo and polish. But when you think about it, it's really what you said, where it's he's like coasting through them. It's not like he can't do it. No, because because we've seen him do it. We've seen him do it. He had 300 plus yard games. Um, He wins with size and speed. There are a couple of times where you're like, whoa, like at that size that move like that. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's it's not always on. And I, I just walked away from watching him and wanting it's funny. I, I have him in my top 50 if I released the big board today, I think. Or at least my top 60. And I wanted more. And I think that it's almost a curse. If I had never heard of A.D. Mitchell in my life and I watched him, I'd be like, there's something to this guy. But we <laughs> talked a lot about A.D. Mitchell over the summer. And we talked a lot about him throughout the season. And yeah. then when it came to, you know, crunch time, it, I just was like, man, I wanted a little more. I want a little bit more. Uh, he he reminds me of T. Higgins in a lot of ways in his best, right? When T. Higgins is at his best and when A.D. Mitchell are at their best, they are really fluid movers for players who are six foot four. I think Higgins is a little bit bigger, but I mean, they've shown that they could be vertical threats deep down the field, great red zone threats, good third down players, great, great acrobatic work at the sideline with great footwork. And we're seeing what T is becoming now as a potential $20 million a year receiver. Like that is what I feel like A.D. Mitchell kind of is in the mold of. And when I, I'm not, I'm not going to have like player comps for everybody quite yet, but when I have one in this group, I'll, I'll kind of shout him out. So uh, that was the one that kind of came to my mind with, with Higgins and, and A.D. Mitchell. So, all right, who you got at nine? At nine, I have somebody you had right outside the top 10, Xavier Leggett. And okay. I, I'm sure we see him the same. Leggett is a nice story. He's a year five breakout. He's going to be 23 when drafted. He has worked his ass off as a special teamer for South Carolina. 
And then as a fifth year senior this year, he was the offense most of the time. And I think there's something to that because a lot of guys in this era hang it up or it never works for them or they transfer. And there's something to this dude that he put his head down and got better year after year after year. And he did. He took the long road is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I think there's also something to that where you're like, oh, man, like what? You know, what was it that took a while? Right. So the good with Leggett, and this is a guy that had over 70 catches, over 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns and 96 targets. He's used all over the field, at backfield, slot, out wide. The offense makes an effort to get him the ball, including using him in motion. And he's 6'3", almost 230 pounds. I mean, this guy is a, a muscle factory. Yeah, he is. Um, serious hang time, can go up and get jump balls, the excellent deep tracking. Like, he just hangs in the air at that size. Can use the big frame to shield defenders at the catch point. He had six games of 110-plus receiving yards this year. So, that, I mean, he was pretty consistently dominant. Um, mm -hmm. Experienced kick returner. He brought a touchdown back in 2022. He's also a gunner <laughs> yeah. on punt yeah. coverage. Yeah. Like, he, at a minimum, when you draft this guy, you are getting a six foot three, a 230-pound straight-line speed gunner that can work off of manufactured touches. I think some of the negatives, a lot of the separation to me is straight line vertical speed. I, I think he lacks some lateral agility in intermediate routes. And, um, you know, it's funny because, like, I remember saying the same thing at times about DK Metcalf, who I loved, but it just didn't matter at the end of the day for DK Metcalf or just never really did. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the adjustments on balls over the middle of the field just look uncomfortable. I don't know if it's because he's so big and so muscular that he, he's not like to and that you'd like the throws to be better. But there was just a couple of times where a throw was behind him and his adjustments didn't look as natural as other guys. And it goes back to he's going to be 23 when drafted. So he's he's a late breakout in year five. But physically, a very imposing player. Um, a, a lot to like in terms of intangibles, clearly, with that work ethic and special teams ability. And it's just a matter of, is this the trajectory he's on, the year year five leap he took? Because he's going to be, I think, a really solid number two outside re receiver in the NFL if he stays on this trajectory. Or is he going to plateau and just kind of be the special teamer and the size speed number three, number four, right. that can win in contested down the field? but there's not really a lot of nuance to his game. You know what I mean, Trevor? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way that I would explain him. I, I have him at number 12 and you know, this is somebody who let's be clear, every NFL team would want Xavier Leggett. right? The size Long career speed, ahead of him, the size speed combo that he has. I mean, whether he's a wide receiver four or he's a wide, or he ends up being a wide receiver two. I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one, but like it, whatever, like whatever range it is, every team in the NFL is going to want him because of what you mentioned, the special teams experience, the willingness, he's a kick returner. He's a gunner. He's somebody who you can get the ball in his hands. He can be yards after catch guy. He can be a vertical player for you deep down the field with contested catches. Like he does a lot of those things. Does he win one-on-one? -on -one? No, not nearly as much. The separation percentage versus single coverage uh, is just in the 55th percentile. So it's not the worst, you know, there are other guys that we're going to talk about that are worse. Um, but I, I think that the nuance in his game, you're right, is something that's just not necessarily there. The routes that they ask him to run are pretty straightforward. It's not like double moves. It's not a lot of deception. Um, his release is getting off the line of scrimmage are again, pretty simple. It's pretty much, Hey, I'm going to go be bigger and faster and stronger than you. Right. And it's okay. I mean, like you got to stick to what you're good at, but there's just, you know, if that gets shut down, 
what are you? And I don't really have an answer for that for Leggett because nobody really at the college level was able to do that this year. Um, it hadn't happened until this year. So that's also something that you kind of got to think about. But there was a quote from Dow Loggins, who's their offensive coordinator. And um, he said this about Leggett. I, I think he said this in the preseason. I don't think the kids missed one single practice since I've been here, which is really hard because if you go that hard all the time, you're going to have nicks and bruises and get beat up and you're going to have sore hamstrings, things like that. But this guy is built to last and he's done things the right way. And I think that that's a really good way to just encapsulate who Xavier Leggett is. So I had him a little bit lower, but I do think that we see him pretty similarly. So that was number nine for me. Yep. Who is number nine for you? All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ner- I'm a little nervous. Yeah, you should be because we're about to have the conversation. I have Keon Coleman at nine. Well, I have him at eight. Oh, baby. All right. So and, we are. <laughs> and he held on to eight for dear life. What I said about Polk and Mitchell, I did with Coleman and Leggett for three more hours. Yeah, it's there is a um there's a how do I say this? I don't know. There's just like a blockade of Keon Coleman, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Leggett. Who do you have above who? And if I stare at this list long enough, every single hour you check in on me. Hey, Trev, how you doing? Who you got? One, two, three. I'd tell you a different number. Yeah, I'm unwell. Like five, for or six, five or six hours until I'm crying in the corner. No. So Keon Coleman, somebody who we talked about uh, early on in the season is somebody who was in my top five in summer scouting, or at least immediately right after summer scouting, because I I got eyes on him late. Six foot four, 215 pounds, just a contested catch monster over the last couple of years. He was at Michigan State in 2022, transferred over to Florida State this season. He's got some of the most jaw-dropping plays that we saw in yep. college football this year. Um, his athletic ability, especially as a straight line, like linear athlete, explosiveness, the jumps, the... Um, straight line speed, those things are decently impressive, but there is a major lack of separation to his game. Doesn't right? exist. I mentioned some of the percentiles that like 80 Mitchell, he was in the 74th percentile of a six foot four receiver of what that separation is. Xavier Leggett, six foot three, six foot four, his separation percentile against single coverage, 55th percentile. Keon Coleman, who is a more explosive athlete than both of those guys, which is hard to say for Xavier Leggett, but it feels like, you know, like we, we've seen some crazy athletic feats from Coleman. So I don't know, maybe it's close, but 12th percentile, 12th. I mean, the guy, the separation doesn't exist in this player's game. So you want to talk about a player and that's, that's over the last two years, by the way, folks, I forgot to say that at the beginning. I, when I, when I'm talking about percentiles, Bigger sample sizes are always more powerful and more accurate. They tell a more true story. They paint a broader picture. So I took the last two years that these players were starters. So it's 2022 and 2023, and this is the percentile that they are for both of those seasons. Now, some of these guys missed some time due to injury, like A.D. Mitchell missed 2022 a lot during injury, but he was still a starter. You know, like Lad McConkie, we'll get to him. He missed some time in 2023, but he was still a starter. So that volume still kind of counts as much as it can there. In a two-year sample size, Keon Coleman had a separation percentage against single coverage of just 12th. 
and that's it's not good when you talk about yards after catch per reception 34th percentile it's just an overall receiving grade over the last two years is just a 76.5 so it's not as if like, oh yeah, he he kind of struggles to separate. Like you mentioned, it doesn't really exist in his game, and it's kind of surprising when that's the case because this dude's a punt returner. You know, like this dude's got some legit athletic ability. He just does not have a lot of nuance in his game outside of being bigger, faster, and stronger than a lot of the players he's going up against right now. Now that works at the pro level if you're DK Metcalf. Doesn't really work at the pro level for a lot of other receivers that try to do that. So what I have for his scouting summary is this. Colvin, Coleman's eval is a test of how much you prefer contested catch receivers versus athletic separators. He's six foot four, 220, 215 pounds. He, sorry, he is a six foot four, 215 pound plus athlete who is comfortable and even prefers getting physical with defense backs constantly catching passes through contact where that yields draw dropping feats of strength. His lack of separation ability is concerning for the next level. There just aren't a lot of guys who make a living as consistent contested catch players. The ones that do are often some of the best receivers in the league and Coleman could be that, but it's going to take more nuance in his game for him to continue to get the reps to show that week in and week out. There's some stiffness to him. There's a little bit of lack of agility and there's not a lot of nuance in his releases and his routes. And like I talked about a little bit with Malachi Corley, doesn't mean that's going to be the case forever, but if it doesn't change, like if, if what you see is what you get, it's going to be hard to consistently win doing even what he's doing now. I'm with you, obviously. And I, I was stunned. I, I was really stunned. Just couldn't run away from anyone. Um, 200 plus yard games this season. He, uh, so many of the touches are screens and jump balls. There's no tempo in his routes. There's no agility. No. There's no crispness. I, I almost, I wrote down on my final bad note. Was he really banged up throughout this whole season or what degree was he hurt? Because it just doesn't, it just doesn't look right. That second half of the season. And there's a lots of, start falling in love with i mean he's a true above the rim threat he's an acrobat he can make circus catches he's got a big frame that some guys sometimes guys come downhill and they're a little hesitant to hit him and they they miss him and he can keep on running he's that kind of open field you know force at times but if you want to talk about potential here to get up to the plate and completely flail at a curveball and and walk away with your head down like it it exists here it really it's scary. Um, it could be a situation where you're like, man, we fell in love with the highs and we didn't realize the majority of it, unfortunately, could be lows. And I I still like the idea and potential of Keon Coleman, but he will not be in my top five, six, seven uh, wide receivers in this draft if he declares this year, because there's just so much consistency lacking right now that doesn't exist with the guys ahead of him and there's there's too many guys that get open exactly there's, there's, why there's would you reach on someone that, that get open yeah yeah why would yeah. you reach on someone that simply cannot everybody's big fast and strong in the nfl i mean he goes from and listen he's gonna moss some people in the nfl yeah but he's also gonna get out there and he's gonna go up and see guys that are almost his size and sertan sauce gardner xavian howard aj terrell like 
those guys don't care. They're like, oh, I'm big like you as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to say on this podcast, it was the most disappointed I was out of watching any of these wide receivers. It's kind of funny when you watch him versus Johnny Wilson, who I have Johnny Wilson outside of my top 15. Me too. But goddamn, I love him. Like, Oh, he's, he's going to be a cool player somewhere. He is. It's so funny watching these two guys because Johnny Wilson's on the opposite side of him. And Wilson is six foot six, six foot seven. He's somewhere in between that range and like 235, 240. So if there was anybody of the two, him versus Keon Coleman, that wouldn't have nuance, wouldn't have wiggle, wouldn't have diverse routes, wouldn't have a diverse um, release bag to go into against press coverage. Like, it would be Wilson. And Wilson's completely the opposite. If Wilson could catch consistently, I'd have him so much higher on this list. This dude is showing... Bro, this dude is showing double tap releases. He's showing diamond releases. He's showing, like, short burst releases. He is doing... like. He is he has so much nuance in his game that I love for a six foot. I would I would love the nuance that he has in his games. In fact, I do. I love the same exact nuance that Jamari Thrash has at 50 pounds lighter and five inches shorter. And yet he is showing this kind of thing. The issue is that just like Wilson sometimes like won't catch the football. It pisses me the hell off. It's not natural. Just catch i think he's going to the senior bowl so like it is i swear to god if johnny wilson makes one contested catch of the senior bowl i mean i'm gonna put him in the top three i'm gonna tell romo dunze to hit the take, take no i'm hike. not <laughs> i'm not but i just wanted to shout out johnny wilson because when you watch these two guys back to back because you're watching a lot of same film it's just mind-blowing to me i'm like how is the six foot seven guy moving with more savviness and nuance then the six foot four, two hundred twenty five pound guy, two hundred fifteen pounds. I don't know why I keep saying two twenty five, but anyways, I uh, had to go on that rant. Okay, I I think I wanted Keon Coleman to be Drake London, and I just didn't walk away with that. Oh God, you're so right. I went in like, oh, we got another Drake London. This is because cool. I loved London. Sure, what, I what's love, love Drake London. I had, I had London wide receiver one for the longest time in that process. I ended up having a wide receiver two. I put Jamison Williams over him. Which I, I think it was, you know, I wasn't staying true to myself. Probably should have. But that is a great way to put it, Connor. We wanted, I wanted him to be Drake London. And he and is I don't not. Think he is. All right. So that was me at eight. I, I, we weren't ready for that. When I put him on the back half to the top 10, I was like, I feel like Trevor's going to see what I'm seeing, but I'm still wondering where he stacks him. So who'd you have at eight? Well, I'm going to tell you who I got at eight. Oh, are you? But before I do that, uh, got to talk voice. to our friends about our friends at Fabric by Gerber Life. This time of year, you guys know what it is. It's it's all about getting in the right routines. The holidays especially. You know, it's a crazy time of year. You got to be able to get into your routine. You got to be able to make sure that you walk through your checklist consistently to stay sane. Well, the number one thing on that checklist should always be securing your family's financial future with our friends over at Fabric from Gerber Life. They make it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. It was designed by parents for parents to help you get high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policies in less than 10 minutes. They got all sorts of flexible policies that fit your family's budget, like quality policies for like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. 
You can get your personalized quote in just minutes, then apply whenever it is convenient for you, all online into your schedule. You can go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family and apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash stock exchange. That's meet, M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash stock exchange. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, who do I have a date? Let's pull it up. What do we got here? Oh, all right. I got a Mechabuka at number eight. We're we're just on fire right now. I have them at number seven. All right. So we're I think we're gonna see a lot of these guys decently similarly. I just might have them in a little bit of different order than you when we get kind of like around the top five. But uh yeah, this is nice. Similar conversations here. We had a lot of variation, kind of more in the eleven to fifteen range. But Mechabuka, man. Um I, I do like him. Six foot one, 205 pounds. I wasn't blown away, right? I think we went into this year, I went into this year thinking that Egbuka could be a real wide receiver one type in the NFL. I don't feel like it's quite that now. I have more of a second round grade on him. Um, but I think that he is, you know, some of the pros that I've had written for him, chess piece type of a pre-snap play, motion player who I love as a true like flanker. You know, let him be off the line of scrimmage. Use him in pre-snap motion. Uh, you can put a lot of stress on a defense because of how versatile he is. You can put him off the line of scrimmage. You can put him on the line of scrimmage too, but I, I like him the most when you can kind of like get him in motion and even put him in a slot. I think he's probably going to play mostly in the slot at the next level. He's got a pretty impressive change of direction, especially from low speeds. You know, high speeds a little stiffer than I thought, and I think that's a big reason why I've kind of brought him down a little bit. But he's a smooth mover. Not super twitchy, but he's a smooth mover. The catch radius is limited with him. He's got shorter arms. So, you know, the leaping ability, I think the explosiveness, I wonder if the vertical jump is going to be something that doesn't look good on a combine report for him because I don't really know what his vert's going to be. I wasn't impressed with it on tape. Maybe it's different when it's at the combine. Um, I mentioned the changing directions at higher speeds isn't as effective as I once thought that it was. And I think the vertical speed is kind of just adequate, not difference-making, he could be okay at the NFL level, but that's why, even though he has a lot of experience on the outside, I don't think he's going to be a full-time outside receiver because I don't think he's going to be that consistent vertical threat. So give him the two-way goes, let him be savvy, let him create that separation and zone because you want to talk about separation percentiles. I mean, like, this dude's a stud, okay? Separation percentage, remember, this is over the last two years, so I know he was hurt a lot this year, so you go to last year as well. Separation percentage overall, 95th percentile. Separation percentage versus Single coverage, 91st percentile. His receiving grade versus zone coverage, 97.5. This dude's fine in the soft spots. He's a very smart player. He's a very nuanced player. He understands things really well. He wins with his mind as much as he does his athleticism. There's also a stat that we have at PFF that I absolutely love. Anybody who's familiar with baseball, you know, like um, wins above replacement. PFF has wins above average, so it's kind of that same thing. And Egbuka last year in 2022 had a win above average of 0.37. So that's actually pretty dang high. That's one of the one of the higher marks that we will talk about here. And so they were they used him quite often in a lot of different ways. I see him as like a bigger Amon Ra St. Brown type mm. of a player. And, and that's kind of the way that I view him now as a uh, as a future slot in the NFL. I really like him as well. Uh, he is insanely smart. He's a technician. He can really work the intermediate area of the field. He's got good feet. I think he gets physical in those routes. Um, 
I, I wrote down literally nightmare to deal with in the slot. Uh, yeah. Like, you, you know, it just such a nightmare. He's got once again, really, really quick feet, really quick releases. I he doesn't have like you said, long arms, but he uses the full extension to pluck the ball out of the air. Like there's not a lot of alligator arming and um, he is incredibly bright when he sees zone coverage and how to manipulate it and how to sit in it. Ibuka is just a a really buttoned up prospect. Like I know he got banged up this year, as we said, and we wanted more out of him, but I think he's going to run well. I think he plays um, with a high IQ and is physical enough in his routes. And I think he's just such a helper to a quarterback. So I liked him a lot. And I is think he, is he going back? So what, this is the player I was talking about. He is playing in Cotton Bowl, I believe Ohio State's in. I want to make sure I, I have that right. I, I mean, I, I don't know how much it right. even matters these days, but Egbuka is uh, he's playing in the Cotton Bowl. And the exact quote I'm I'm seeing from him today is I am playing in the bowl game. I think it's important to end the season on the right note with a win against a really good team and excited to have another chance to be on the field with my brothers. Hmm. I mean, typically you would think, and I know he's also said he's undecided. He's got he's got something to gain though, right? He does. He, he missed he missed time, and it's a stacked wide receiver class. If he has, because I I would assume Harrison Jr. is not playing, right? No, he's not. Yeah, we, we got to assume that Marvin Harrison Jr. is not playing. So he hasn't announced. And but like, let's come on. And Jordan Fleming's transferring. So 14 targets for Ibuka. Like if if Ibuka has the Jackson Smith and Jigba Rose Bowl 200 yard performance, that might be the difference between him going in the second round and him going in the first round. Yeah. Remind everybody who you are. Right, right. I, Ibuka is just really good, and you don't have to go very far to find that. In 2021, he was a great player. So don't only let a guy getting banged up hide, you know, from you who who he is. And maybe he does play. It's an interesting thought process, Trevor. I'd heard that, and, and this is with every player like him. You know, the school is making a significant effort to try to get them to stay. There's NIL packages. There is something to Abuka avoiding this wide receiver class and legitimately going in the top three wide receivers the following year. But if I was just scouting today, I wouldn't dock him for this year as much as maybe some are. and think he's easily wide receiver seven with a, a better floor than a lot of guys in this class. And he's just going to be a productive, crafty, smart, physical um, slot at a minimum that can also win outside. By the way, there's no way Ohio State's gonna pay Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh my God, stop it. Twenty to twenty-five million dollars. What are we tweeting? What are we tweeting these days? It, like, just there's no like Shadur Sanders because we talked about this on the PFF show earlier earlier this week. Shadur Sanders is making like the most NIL money of like anybody right now, and it's like four million. Well, you're you're telling me that that they're gonna pay Marvin Harrison Jr. a non-quarterback five times that much to set the precedent that's going to put every school and every collective completely bankrupt. If this were to actually happen, you realize how how horrendous this precedent would be that's for college the, football. That's the issue. It would be catastrophic. To There's put it in perspective, no way. if Marvin Harrison got that, he'd be paid Man, the same Higgins money as DJ Moore, Keenan Allen, 
Amari Cooper. There's just it, it. Like you said, what are we tweeting? Just stop it. What? Also, are go we get tweeting? your go third overall. Get your signing bonus. Go start your NFL career and get to free agency earlier because you are going to be a superstar. And in yeah, three go, years, you'll be yeah, paid thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, just go sign with Nike. You know, I don't know. Do people just I. I I know one of the accounts that tweeted that I've had them blocked for so long because it's such garbage nonsense. Um, so there's that. Was it my account? Was it me? I've had you blocked from day one, buddy. <laughs> what a turn that would be. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why we don't play in the show because you've been blocked and I can't see any of your takes. So everything's a surprise to me. Oh, man. Rule one, never tweet. Rule two, two never log off. That's rule three block your coworkers. block everyone <laughs> yeah block the people you you enjoy block your loved ones block your loved ones that one's actually not bad that's not that's bad it. because you're hiding them from your disastrous that's life. actually why i deleted facebook like eight years ago uh, is, yeah uh, my facebook actually, my facebook has never existed seen. okay um seven for me right we're up to seven you're up to seven. Abuka was seven for me, eight for you. At All some right. point, we got to hit a snag where you have someone different. Well, I so unfortunately, we're going to have the top six the same. But oh, yes, we are. Um, the order might be different. And I think the conversations are going to be good. Seven. I have Lab McConkie. There he is. We've been Listen, waiting brother. for it. Listen, I'm all ears. Correct me if I'm wrong. The point of playing wide receiver is to get open catch the football. Right? Yeah, it certainly is. And this man can do it. <laughs> this man can do it. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I don't know if I'm th- I, if I'm putting way too much stock into this when uh, Derwin James went on. I don't remember if it was I am athlete or pivot or which one it was, but they're like listing off. They're like, oh, who's the toughest to guard? And they're like, was it DK Metcalf? Uh, was it Amari oh, Cooper? I, I and then Derwin this. James goes, Hunter Renfro. And they're like, excuse me. And, and they like, like almost laughed. And they they like, like laughed at him. And Derwin James like go watch the tape yeah <laughs> yeah like derwin james i don't know derwin james is safety he's not a corner so it's a little bit of a different story but derwin james is also a freak athlete and this dude's like hunter renfro go watch the tape so i know we kind of brought that up and we're joking about it during summer scouting when both of us had lad mcconkey in the top 10 there as well yeah we've and always loved lad mcconkey dude it's just I, he just gets open man separation percentage 93rd percentile separation percentage versus single coverage 83rd percentile Receiving grade versus zone, 97.4. Receiving grade versus single coverage, 93.5. And those are always a little bit overinflated. And so it's not like when you see like 93, it's not like, whoa. You know, his overall receiving grade over the last two years was an 80.6. That's more towards what people are more familiar with. But like how often he was used, yards per route run, 76th percentile. Average depth of targets, 58th, which is good that you're above the 50th percentile. And then his average yards after the catch was 66th percentile. So like normally if the yards... If the um, average if the target's above 50th percentile, normally the yards after catch is going to be lower. It's normally like the higher the A dot, the lower the yards after catch. This guy's got high A dot, and he's got high yards after the catch. He's got a lot of forced missed tackles, got a lot of explosive plays of 15 yards or more. I, I mean, the only real faults that I could find in this game, in this dude, are, okay, he's 5'11", 185. So he's not a big receiver. His catch radius is limited for jump balls just because he's shorter. And his releases do have some false steps in them, but he's so quick. A false step in a release is not the same for every receiver. 
Like some guy's footwork is so quick and explosive and almost just like deceptive in and of its own because of its speed and its agility that sometimes false steps like actually go into what you're doing. And for Garrett Wilson, this was the, this was the people that didn't like Garrett Wilson said he took too many false steps. And the people that did sold it that he just slices and dices with his feet. And that, and that's the thing. It's like, I, I watched Lab McConkey and I go, okay, you have some wasted steps but it's, to, it's, it's part of your game plan. It's right. kind of like to your advantage. You're putting these corners in a blender so the dude can get off of press coverage. He's successful with that. He's good as a motion receiver, as a flanker. I just think that he's he's awesome, man. Again, like I'll, I'll, I'll read my scouting summary for him just because I, I like doing these. It's an easy way to uh, know my thoughts on a player. McConkie is a high-nuance player who has the athletic ability and, and football IQ to be a difference maker in the slot at the NFL level. His footwork and release variation give him advantage against press coverage from the slot or even on the outside. He has good long speed to remain a threat vertically. He's on the small side, but that doesn't curb his willingness to be an impact blocker. Don't expect him to be an X for jump ball as a jump ball receiver uh, because outside of that, it's really hard to imagine him just not su- succeeding in the pros. His game is reminiscent to me of Eddie Royal from Virginia Tech. Maybe not as fast with the long speed as Royal was, but devastating quickness, good in the return game, and a strong blocker for his size. Both, all three of those things are things that Eddie Royal did really well at Virginia Tech and then also at the NFL level. So that's kind of like how I saw him. And Royal was a a, a difference maker at at the end of it. I mean, like, was he like this takeover, consistent thousand yard receiver? No, but he was somebody who was a, really good speed slot option and good special teams returner for a long time. And he got on the field because he was also a good blocker. So McConkie does all of those things. Well, uh, he's, he's, he's great. He's a really good player. And he's once again, a guy that, you know what you're getting from him immediately, where some of these guys, there's more projection involved. And I didn't, I didn't see that with McConkie as well. And we really liked him over the summer. I know we, we put him in a mock draft at some point to the Panthers. I thought, in the second round Panthers or Browns, something. And I feel like people were surprised by that. And it's like, no, this is bro. McConkie caught catches 200 balls for this Panthers team. Right. Right. Henry Rice Young are getting an apartment together in downtown Charlotte. If if he gets drafted by the Panthers, look out downtown Charlotte. (laughs) The two most physically imposing figures are here to tear up the the town. The the Charlotte social and digital team is just going to do like a reality show of just like lad and Bryce just living together. Okay, so that brings us to number six, I believe. Yeah. Yep. So six is a player that I had watched barely any of besides what I'd seen on just broadcast games. And the tape was great. And that is Tez Walker. from. Let's go, baby. Man. Yes. Yeah, he's I I mean, a lot of people know his story. He uh, transferring from Kent. It's really way longer than this. And maybe during the senior bowl, we'll get into all of it. But he had a transfer issue. He transferred to UNC from Kent State. And there was all kinds of BS. And he didn't play the first couple of weeks of the season until this was resolved. And the story is a lot longer than that. And if you read into it, it's you're totally on Walker's side, who I believe had a, a sick relative. And he wanted to come home and be closer his to yeah. his grandmother. And he's had multiple transfers. So the NCAA wanted him to sit. It's just an absolute mess. What else can you expect from the NCAA at this point? But 2023, where he didn't play a full season, he plays eight games. He finishes with 41 catches, 699 yards, seven touchdowns. He averaged 17 yards per catch. 
He's got lengthy strides that chew up turf for buildup speed uh, in the intermediate and deep areas of the field. He simply runs by defenders down Dude, the field when asked. Yes. To. Like it's it's just no, it's just nothing. He he creates space between him and the coverage all the time. High pointing ability knows how to maximize his catch radius. He caught ten of seventeen contested catch opportunities. No fear of the middle of the field. Like just I wouldn't call it reckless abandon, but they sent him over the middle of the field, and he's like, I'm I'm big. And I'm going to catch this ball and I don't care who's coming down 100 miles an hour at me. Good adjuster to the football uh, doesn't look at defenders screaming down on him before catching it. Like he's just all about securing the catch. And then whatever happens after that happens, he has mastered the short out route when corners who respect that speed sit way too far off him. Like him and Drake may, they know what this dude can do down the field. So you have these corners that sit eight to 10 yards off. And there's a connection where he's like, cool, five yards on the out. I'll catch it and I'll get to the sideline. And they just do that all the time. And it's, it's crisp. It's, it's really, it tells me that this, this guy is getting it. Um, he, he, so he's registered in our system with five drops. These five drops are some of the toughest opportunities I have seen. Not all drops are created equal. He's got really good. Do hands. I need to talk to somebody? Do I need to know that? To I mean, it's fair, right? If like it's you in the hands, it's a drop. But I'm just saying, Do me and Tommy DeVito's agent need to talk yeah. to somebody. We'll talk <laughs> oh, man. To somebody. You know what? Maybe he should represent you. You guys would be a good pairing. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny to picture you two together. Oh, man. In stripe suit immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Fedora, the Italian horn. <laughs> right, that's what they call it, right? I'm not Italian, so I don't. The Italian horn. <laughs> I've never heard that, but that's pretty good. It, right. That's what it's called. I don't, I don't know. know. I, look, I don't know. You don't know either. You know, look, you know, if you're Italian, you're out there listening. Let us know. Is that yeah. what it's called? Or, yeah. are we, or are we dumb? Are we just idiots? All right. There's a couple of little things I wrote down. The stop and start in the routes is a little clunky. Uh, he's a bigger guy. I think he he lacks creativity and short area change of direction when the ball is in his hands. Like he's not this kind of dude where he catches and everyone's like, whoa, like what's he going to do now? It's It's pretty simple after the catch. But the bottom line is he's an he's has huge plays because of what he could do before the catch yep. and his ability at the catch point, Trevor. And for this guy to be number six, it says so much about what he did in a limited amount of time. I have him at four. Yeah, it's I get it. I have him outside of the obvious three that we'll get to in that kind of like first tier or first and second tier, depending on how you categorize Marvin Harrison Jr., um, Tez Walker is the guy would, that I would have next in this class. He, I mean, I, so I, I, I go back and I watch, I watched a couple of games from 2022 of all of these players. And then I watched a couple of games of, of 2023, either two or three. And at Kent state, this guy opened the season with Washington, Oklahoma, Georgia. It's Kent state. All right. This program's cash in. I was going to say. They're building a new practice facility with those three games. <laughs> he, no, I was, I actually watched the Georgia game first. I was like five plays in and I'm like, wh where have, where have I been on this guy? Why has yeah. no one held up giant signs with flashing lights and a, and a alarm horn saying, watch 2022 Tez Johnson? Because the only tape that I had watched to him at this point, and the reason why, when we went through the uh, Patriots episode on Monday, the reason why Tez Johnson was Walker. so much, right, or right. Tez Walker, the reason why he was so much further down, he was like ranked in the nineties. Cause I only watch his UNC stuff and he watches UNC stuff. And it's not as, it's not as crisp. It's not as confident. You could tell he's, he's, 
He's just not as confident because he's like trying to like play in the middle of the season with right. This team and, it's, and it's, it's ridiculous. It's ass. Totally understandable, but you could see the long speed. Like you could see the vertical and athletic ability. And I was like, all right, if he gets better as a route runner, if he gets more nuance in his releases, like maybe we got something here because this dude's a hell of an athlete. And I just didn't see it in the UNC tape. You go back to Kent State, his second year in the program, and he's going up against these three schools. I watched an interview with him afterwards. It was actually an interview of him when he got to UNC and they were asking him about these three games. And he was like, yeah, I knew that was my opportunity. Like he had been through a lot. He he tore his ACL his senior year in high school. So um, he basically had all of his scholarships taken away from him because he wasn't really heavily recruited before then, but then he tore his ACL and he didn't have any scholarships. So then he went to, I think like North Carolina central in 2020, because that was the only team that would really like give him a scholarship their 2020 season that first year gets canceled because of COVID. So he ends up trying to like transfer somewhere else. That's how he got to Kent state. And so like, he knew he, he was like, this is my opportunity to show that I can play with these players. Brother, not only did he look like he belonged against Georgia. And remember this is 2022 Georgia. This is a sick defense from Georgia. He looked like the best player on the field at times. I mean, the releases that this dude was displaying against Georgia and then against, again, Oklahoma and Washington when I watched those two games. Nuts. I mean, he is, he put Keely Ringo in hell a couple of times. He may, he, I mean, he was, he was putting the work on Kamari Lassiter at times when they were flipping who was guarding him. This, I was blown away by the caliber athlete this player is. And also, when he is confident, the type of nuance that he can play with. 86th percentile separation, 80th percentile separation versus single coverage, 96th percentile average depth of target, 70th percentile yards per route run, which is a great stat to show how much you're getting utilized. And this is at two different schools. This dude is a first-round receiver to bet on. I would take him in the back end of the first round easy from what I've seen over the last two years. I think he's I, I think he's a stud, man. I think he's I think he's a year one starter at the NFL level. I'm with you. He's every bit for real. Love the tape. Um, you know, really a long story with him and him to get here. And he's been through some adversity and he's uh I mean, he's what you want from an NFL receiver on the perimeter. This the size, the ability to threaten down the field, the understanding and nuance to challenge underneath when they're taking that away from you, just catching the ball in tough situations. I mean, it's it's all there with him. So we've got a handful of players left, so we'll speed it up a little bit here because I don't want to be here all night. I know some people listening might want us to be, but, you know, we do have families. Um, kind of. Are the next two dudes for you at five and four, Brian Thomas Jr. and Troy Franklin? Yep, just flipped. Okay, so. Franklin at five, Thomas at four. So I have Troy Franklin at six. I have Brian Thomas Jr. at five, and I have – Tez Walker at four. So, so you want to talk about the burner boys? Yeah. And, and I mean, I think all of these guys are in the same bucket. They are late first, early second round grades, but they're players that I could absolutely see, you know, elevating themselves into maybe like first round grade status. And they're players that I would take in the first round, you know, like these are, these are first round caliber receivers, I think. Um, very similar. I mean, Brian Thomas Jr., six foot four, 205 pounds. Troy Franklin, six foot three, 185 pounds. I think Thomas Jr. and the reason why I have him at five 
is because I think he's a little bit better of an athlete. I think he's a little bit more of an athlete. I think he's doing it at 20 pounds heavier, and he's a little bit more explosive. But I don't want that to come off as some sort of slight to Troy Franklin because he is also a very smooth mover, has the second most explosive plays of any receiver in the Pac-12 over the last two years outside of Romo Dunze. He will make you miss. He's got fancy footwork. He's got great release. He's got more nuance in his releases than Brian Thomas does, although Thomas took so much of a jump in that area from 2022 to 2023. It made me think like, okay, these guys are basically in the same category. Like I think that they will be able to achieve a lot of success in that area, the two of them. So really good separation players, really good long speed players. And I think that these are two, you know, wide receiver two is the next level. I, I felt like Brian Thomas Jr., an early comp that I liked was Martavis Bryant from him. Best Mar- mm-hmm. what we've seen from Martavis Bryant when he was playing really well like for Pittsburgh at the NFL level. And um, for Troy Franklin, I think his skill set reminds me a lot of Christian Watson, but I think he's more reliable than Christian Watson is. Right. He, like, he's got, he's got better hands than Christian Watson does. So that's kind of one that the mold of player stuck out to me in that regard, but it's like, I think, I think uh, they hear Dane say that one. Dane might've said, maybe I read that from Dane. I think I read it somewhere and I was like, okay, I like that a lot. That one makes a ton of sense, but he, but he catches better than that. So I'm still workshopping that. I like the mold. It allows people to like, see the type of player that we're talking about at the NFL level. But I do feel there might be a better comp out there. So I'm still working shop in that one, but wanted to obviously give Dane a shout out because I heard that first from Dane and he's uh, he's great at player comp. So that's what I thought of uh, Franklin and Thomas Jr. They could fly, right? They yeah. could simply fly. And they're not they're not small. They're a little slender, but they're long, these guys. They can go up and get the ball. They have long arms. I mean, Franklin almost had 900 yards and nine touchdowns last year, and I felt like nobody cared. And then this year, (laughs) and he was doing this all while playing on the outside. Like a lot of these guys in college eat from the slot. Franklin was just a true outside receiver, carving it up in 2022. And then he goes out and does has a massive year this year. The length, incredibly explosive first step. Uh, He understands leverage. I've been complaining about all these guys having no tempo in their deep routes. Franklin is a master of that. Frank, every does, ra- man, every route looks different. Uh, he changes speeds. He catches everything in his in, in what that gets near him. He's fast in the short area. He's got long speed. I mean, he could he could fly. I think at that weight, you're going to hear some Will Fuller to him. I really like where you went instead with Christian Watson. I think yeah. he's going to be a freak of an athlete. And then Brian Thomas, who I had just one spot above him. I mean, my thing with Thomas, Trevor that i don't i don't know i should say surprised me because this could get to a different conversation man he had a lot of yards left on the field by Jaden daniels and and i know Jaden daniels is going to be a very early pick and very well liked and i I get all of it there's a lot of balls that were not thrown on time where thomas would still be running today and it just goes to show he had over a thousand yards 15 touchdowns 18 yards per catch monster season and i really think there was uh, against single he devoured single coverage over 500 yards seven touchdowns on 29 targets against single coverage yeah he could just he could fly he can absolutely fly he's he's he's, he is a he's imposing when he hangs in the air forever yeah forever i think 
he dropped a couple layups, and I think if he starts selling his routes with his upper body, uses head and shoulder fakes to go with the lower body, he's going to be a nightmare. Head, but and that's what's, head and shoulders. Head and shoulders. Come, there you go. Sponsor the show. Thank you. <laughs> I, and I thought with Thomas, he's clearly more comfortable working the vertical game than everything else in the route tree. Like yeah. you watch it vertically and you're like, man, he's feeling it. Like he's he's like an ISO a basketball player with the ball in his hands. Yeah, like, I'm shooting it. Yes. Like, yeah, right. Like that's what it felt like. So if he I think he has room to grow. And that's what's so incredibly exciting about him. I love him in Franklin. I'd take either in the first round. I, the NFL is about speed. I love it. It's a bonus that they have length. They are true perimeter players. You talked about him being a ISO player. Uh, he played both basketball and yep. football in high school and as a state championship in basketball. That's so. right. I think he was the player of the game. Uh, the yes. Game. He was named the most outstanding player in his state championship game. There you go. So, so was, dude wasn't just out there, you know, throwing towels and waters to people. The, the way that I have it uh, ranked, I, I have these guys very similar, same bucket. Um, Franklin, I have at six, even though I think he's the more nuanced player, uh, of the three, I think that Thomas jr is a little bit more of an athlete than he is at an even bigger size. And then I think that, um, Devontae Walker is an even better athlete than Brian Thomas jr is. So I have them ordered six, five, four leaning most on athleticism as the differentiating factor, but man, these are three really Really nice football players. So we're going to get to three, two, and one, the top three players that we have for the 2024 NFL draft. And I'm curious who you have at three, um, because that is the debate here. And we will get to that after we shout out our friends over at Prize Picks. Eli is back. Our producer, Eli, is back. And uh, he's he's taking another stab at the Prize Picks entry. So you know how it goes. He gives three entries, and these are the official PFF Prize Pick entries uh, he's been so close on on all of these. So if you flexed any of them, you're making money. And so if you're sticking with Eli, he's got the sound judgment. This week, for this week's NFL games, these are his three entries that he is wrapping all up into one. Jamar Chase, over 64 and a half receiving yards. Debo Samuel, over 65 and a half receiving yards. And then Kyron Williams, more than 80 and a half rushing yards. The explanation is simple. Jamar's gone over to this number two of his last three games. Uh Debo's gone over that line four straight games. Kyron's gone over that line in three straight games. The trends are going this way. And it's a lot of fun to be able to bet on, on price picks because they have a lot of really cool things. One of the cool things they have is if you're into multiple sports, you know, if you like to bet on basketball and football, they can they you can now do combo projections across both leagues in the special leagues tab. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes Two or more players from these different sports leagues, for example, I've talked about this before, you could do LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, more than 10 and a half combined three-pointers made in receptions. And so when those games are done, if you like both of those lines, you'd be able to make some you know unique money off of it. That's why Price Picks is really cool. They're, they're one of the only places out there that does that. They're also the only place out there that does a reboot policy. Um, that way your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball. If you got a player who goes out in the first half, does not return for the second, that player is automatically rebooted. Price Picks, only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy, so you never have to worry about anything like that. Go to pricepicks.com backslash NFLSC. Use the promo code NFLSE and get a $100 match from them you, you know you know you're gonna bet anyways just get the three hundred dollars all right go to pricepicks.com nflsu use the promo code nflse you get that hundred dollar match and uh start having some fun let us know ride with eli he's been he he's 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 so close he's gonna hit it big 
I got faith. I got faith this week. We're trending in the right direction. The arrow's pointing up. I got faith. We're riding with them. Um, my right, kids, Connor. my kids' Christmas gifts depend on it, Eli. So don't screw this up. Yeah, if my dog doesn't get a Christmas gift, I don't have gonna, kids. I'm just gonna blame you. It's yeah, we just uh, dogs are the kids. That's literally the kid. <laughs> All right, who you got a three? Roma Dunze. Okay. I I don't think this is a surprise, although maybe some people will see it differently. I think there is a tier of the next two guys on their own. Oh. So do you have Rome in his own tier? Yeah. Okay, so you have all right, all right. So then Honestly, Rome's in his own tier. Yeah, we'll see. I I think I'll do the tiers for the final ranking show because it's easier to break them down as we is go. Is Rome closer to neighbors and uh and Marvin Harrison Jr.'s tier, or is he closer no, to he's closer to Franklin and Thomas Jr. and Walker? Okay. They're all in the first round, which is unbelievable. All right. Rome had an amazing season and the improvements he made when catching like in the contested catch situations and muddy areas. And I mean, it's a jarring improvement and it was so important for him because I saw none of this over summer. You and and I didn't love him during the summer. No. And he was. Yeah, I mean, he. I had him this year. Right he now. was so much better this year. Yeah, I had him as wide receiver five over the summer. Where did I have him? I had him as wide receiver Thank nine. I didn't. Yeah. La- I, I last year. I I agree with you. I didn't think that he was the receiver he needed to be. No, I'll tell you right now. I just had it up. He caught four of sixteen contested car- targets last yeah, year. He's way better this year. Yeah, I didn't think he was physically dominant. I thought his. His leaps were not timed well. I didn't think he extended his arms naturally. Um, And he did all those things this year. Mm -hmm. He did all those things. So, I mean, he's somebody that was Penix's go-to target. He was so reliable, those back shoulder balls. He can win in the red zone by being the bigger guy. I love the strides on double moves. There's explosive playability with that catch radius. Once again, these are some of the things I wrote down from summer and confirmed by rewatching him this year. And he's a big perimeter wide receiver that can eat targets at all three levels of the field. And the only thing I think that he's behind on with the two guys ahead of him, he to me will not be a big threat after the catch at the NFL. You're right. Like not, there's not near, not as much. Nah, there there will be there will be plenty of times where he's running like a backside dig or he's like a, a yeah. deep crosser and you'll get the ball and he'll be able to run an extra 15, 20 yards because he's an athlete, but he won't create no as many he, yards after the after the catch as I think the other two guys will. Yeah, he forced 12 missed tackles this year. Um he it's just not he's not gonna really run over people or or be very elusive with the ball in his hands. I think he's a very different athlete without the ball in his hands. Because he could use his long strides, but and this is a guy with a sprinting background. But I think that it that doesn't that part of his game doesn't exist. Now that doesn't mean he can't be a number one wide receiver because yeah. once again he is so effective at all three areas of the field. He can get off the line of scrimmage. He's got good size. Um, he the hands were phenomenal this year, Trevor. They really, really were. Like he yeah. just snagged everything this year, yeah. and the timing with Penix was so impressive to me so and i know he got hurt at one point this season so he's been playing injured towards the end of this year and it shows his toughness 66 first downs he caught so dunes a a first round player 
uh, and my wide receiver three. He's, I mean, he's, this past year's tape was so good. Uh, you know, I mentioned the uh, wins above average metric that we have at PFF and quarterbacks, as you would expect, will have wins above average, like in the twos or like something like that, like the three, the best ones will have it like in the twos and the threes and things like that. I could be off, but like it's over one. There's basically no other position in the NFL that has over one full win above replacement. Cause it's so hard to have that type of an yes, impact. insane Romo Dunze this year had a wins above average score of 0.58. That's higher than basically every other receiver that was not named Malik neighbors or Marvin Harrison jr. Malik neighbors had a 0.65 this year and Marvin Harrison jr. Had a 0.64 in 2022 so i tried to take like okay what was the highest score of of wins above average over the last two years and odunze like to, to, to be in that conversation is just it tells you how impactful he is as a receiver i saw ray g say this on twitter and i love this comp from him he said he's a supersized chris olave and i kind of feel the same Ooh, way about it that's yeah that that checks out to me and i you didn't know, think olave could do anything after the catch either but everything before it was beautiful right and a lot of people like some people talk about like keenan allen but i don't think he's I don't think he's quite Keenan Allen. I think they say that just because Keenan is such a great route runner for his size. And I would say the same thing about Adunze. Go watch that. Anybody else, anybody who hasn't seen it yet, go watch the touchdown catch against Oregon State. I mean, he sauces this corner in the red zone in a way that you are not supposed to do at six foot three, 215 pounds or whatever he's going to weigh in at. I mean, he just absolutely puts it on him with so much nuance and so much savviness, so much deception, so much flexibility for a player of that size. I mean, it's just an encapsulation of what makes him so special because at that size, he is able to have that kind of flexibility. And it's just, it's not very often you get a player like this. Easy first round grade from me, from what we saw from him this season. Um, He's great. I think he's a wide receiver one at the next level. And that means that we have Malik Neighbors from LSU. We both him, we have him at number two. So go ahead and talk about Neighbors as well. Neighbors is a freak show and a wide receiver one in any class that doesn't have a f- total monster that is Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, I had written over summer. I thought he's DJ Moore. And I don't mm. even know. That might be low barring it. And I think Moore is an incredible NFL player. I, I just look at Neighbors. The acceleration is out of this world. He is a master of the slot fade. I don't know if I've seen a guy in the NFL running the slot fade this good. He's this season always open. He's always he's always open. And from 2022, we had over a thousand yards. His routes in 2023 became so much more crisp. Yep. Like this is a guy that got drastically better and he was already a great player. He Trevor, this this blew my mind. 43 of his 86 catches this year went for 15 or more yards. <laughs> That's 50% if you're doing the math at home. Uh, which I wasn't, so thank Half you. the time he caught the ball, it was his an first, explosive play. It was an explosive play. That's, That's insanity. Yeah. So he forced 21 missed tackles in 2022. He forced 30 this year. I think he, he'll run through guys. Like, it's not even just I'm faster or I'm more agile. I'm also like, I also have that dog in me where I will run through guys. 
He'll grind out yards on slants. A- everything in the book is, is there for Malik Neighbors. Everything in the book. You want to do the manufactured touches, the pitch passes, the screens. You want to get him in motion and just dump the ball in the flat. He can beat you over the top. He can beat you on the slot fade. He can run the full route tree. The body control is amazing. Honestly, he could be a top five player for me in this draft. Yeah. In this draft, it has Olu Fashanu, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Malik Neighbors is phenomenal. He's phenomenal. He will constantly separate. He's excellent after the catch of the ball in his hands. He's excellent in contested situations at his size. His body control is out of this world. It's like some of the stuff at the catch before and before and at the catch is Garrett Wilson. And then after the catch is DJ Moore. That's not supposed to happen. Right. Uh, he's a phenomenal player. It's almost sickening that he he's not the consensus wide receiver one in his class, but that's how good Marv is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, man. So who did you, what did you say to call you like DJ? You had DJ Moore. I, I went, wrote DJ Moore down in a mock draft I did over the summer and I, I don't think it'll ever change it. So I have a different name. And the reason why I have a different name is because the thing that's the most impressive about neighbors is kind of what you led off with to me. And that is the speed and the, the change of direction speed that this guy has. I mean, from the lightning quick feet, on his releases, which he has a variety of different releases, but he is deadly when it comes to split stance releases and also speed releases where he's just dipping the shoulder and getting by people. I mean, the way that this guy is able to change direction and yet continue to accelerate does not happen. That is the, that is the rarity of Malik neighbors. That is a, it is a Trump card in his game. If you will, the the player comp that I have because of that reason is Antonio Brown. Like Antonio oh Brown, like Antonio Brown is one of the few players that I've watched that it was able to c- accelerate while changing direction. And that's why he was so unstoppable, right? Antonio Brown is even a little bit smaller than Malik Neighbors. Like Antonio Brown's like five foot ten, 185 pounds. And yet this dude was the best wide receiver in football. And look, I'm not saying that Malik Neighbors is going to have the exact career that Antonio Brown had, but I'm talking about this is this is the type of athlete that is such a difference maker in this way that so many other players weren't the reason why Antonio Brown was able to be the best receiver in the NFL for like a four or five year stretch is because nobody could touch the dude. Nobody could cover him. Right. Because as he's changing directions, not only is he great off the line of scrimmage, not only was he great with his footwork and his routes and his nuance and everything, but as he was making his breaks on his route, he's speeding up. He's, <laughs> he's giving these NFL athletes no chance to keep up with him. Now you get to that point with a lot of hard work, a lot of repetition, and that is still must be the case for neighbors. And I always have to like say this context when I give a crazy comp like this, because I, I think that in this wide receiver class alone, we're talking about some like really big time names, some great NFL players, but we mentioned this is how good we think this wide receiver class is. So yeah. the way that neighbors moves reminds me of, of, of just the uniqueness of what made Antonio Brown so unguardable. Cause it felt like, over, certainly this year, Malik Neighbors was unguardable, and nobody had an answer. Nobody had an answer for him, and I, I just, if he continues to diversify the releases that he has, when to use them, mastering. Okay, this is the inside release. This is the outside release. This is where I am on the field. Here I'm in the slot. Here I'm on the outside. This is the it's it's off coverage. It's press coverage. If he continues to master that. And then he continues to just be a master of like how he deceives 
people were even just like, dude, for Malik neighbors, even the smallest little head fake shoulder fake could create the smallest amount of space in which boom, I'm gone. There we go. There's a throwing window. Easy as pie. And, and like not every receiver has that. Even the receivers who are really great at those little deception or manipulation parts of route running can't do what Malik neighbors does next after you do those things. And that's, he's just, a, he's just a special football player. He's gifted. Like he he's, is. he's he is. genuinely gifted, but he's also obviously put in the work with how much craft is in his game. And it's just, my God. If All right. I, Di- dynasty drafts are going to be fun this year oh baby are they ever i picked a really good year to be bad in our dynasty league oh <laughs> baby did i pick a good year i've to been mad be amazed i i've the number one seed in that league and then my other dynasty league my team is certified cheeks like i need to <laughs> i've been begging people in this other league to take tyreek hill the best football fantasy oh, football <laughs> player and this was months ago and they're like, well, I don't want to really, you know, trade too much here. And I'm Mortgage like, he's the future. He, if you want to win a championship. Right. You win the so, league. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's that. So, all right. All right. So, you you about- start with Marv because I got to just go wild <laughs> over neighbors. So, so take it away. The number one wide receiver. in the draft. Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. Son of Pro Football Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison Sr. Yeah, he was solid. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't too bad. Um, This. It, it's it's hard to find too much of a flaw in Marvin Harrison Jr. The if I go to the the, the weaknesses like category of of my outline of him, I have sometimes he has a little too much arm extension to push off to create separation, but that was much more of a concern in 2022 than it was in 2023. You didn't see nearly as much of that. And then I said he's got adequate yards after catch speed. But even the yards after catch element was much more limited in 2022 than it was 2023. Those are basically the only concerns I had about this guy. Now, that's not to say he's going to be the second coming of Calvin Johnson. But it is to say, like, it's it's hard to ask him to be more. Do I wish maybe he was faster than he is? Because I think his long speed is good. I don't think he's like a 4-3 guy, you know? So, like... He could be faster, but I think his long speed is good enough. And it's especially good enough when you talk about the masterful route runner that this guy, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to read the blurb. I'm just going to read the blurb. We're going to stick with the blurb. We're going to do that. It's the best way to do it. Harrison Jr. is one of the most complete prospects that you will find. First and foremost, he displays an understanding of how to win at the position like few college players do when they become NFL prospects. He is well beyond his years in releases, in his route tree, and in his IQ to set up and manipulate defenders for maximum speed or for uh, maximum throwing windows. For a player as tall as he is at six foot four, his footwork, change of direction, and long speed are excellent. Throw in very reliable hands, great hand-eye coordination, and you have a future wide receiver one and a player who has the mold of being a tier one NFL receiver. So the way that I kind of have my like round grades are, I have a like a generational tab, like a generational prospect tab. I have a like this player is a top five player, which means they can be tier one at their position in the NFL level. I feel like they have that potential. Next, I have, okay, this is a player who I think can be an all pro at the NFL level. And then I get into first round grade, second, for late first, early second. And then I kind of have like roles and player tabs with that. Um, I had Malik Neighbors as a top 10 grade, 
which is an all pro type of player. Yeah. And I have Marvin Harrison Jr. as a top five grade, which is a tier one position talent, which means I believe that this player could someday be in the conversation that we have now with Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, and Devontae Adams, guys like that, who it's like, we're making a case for these players as tier one in the NFL. That's kind of the way that I look at this dude and how good he can be. I mean, I'm with you all the way. He was my top player out of summer. He hasn't moved. He only got better. He dealt with, you know, a big step back in the quarterback play this year and still made it happen. It's He's a create a wide receiver in a lab. The route tree is tremendous. I think if I have to nitpick literally anything, I think sometimes the releases off the line of scrimmage are not perfect. But he's a bigger guy, so it's not always going to look as sharp with these bigger wide receivers. They're not going to move like the six foot, two hundred pound guys. This is a player that's going to play at six four, I think two fifteen. Honestly, when all is said and done, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't drop the ball. The uh, the fight through contact is just out of this world. Like there'll be pass interference. And rather than just like throwing his arms up and throwing a fit, he's like, now nah, I'll still catch the ball one hand. <laughs> it's like, okay. The catch against Michigan was just stupid. It was, he tried to will them to a win against Michigan. Um, was that Will Johnson who was guarding him too? Was it? Will? obviously Will's, we're going to talk about him. Summer I mean, Will's good. And, and whoever it was, was basically like, it was basically like the, uh, the 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 wrap your arms around the guy under the basket in basketball. Like we're not going to give this guy the layup. You it know, like it was like, like, it was like gonna... when Hodor was carrying Bran. We're going <laughs> to. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and he still caught the ball. Somebody please get the video and just the whole door, hold the door, <laughs> hold the door, and it's just him, just in slow motion, just catching the ball while getting draped by the Michigan defender. Oh man, yeah. And so, yeah. one last note on him: he is so good. Also, when the play breaks down, at understanding how to improvise with his quarterback, like a lot of guys, they just they're just out there. Mm-hmm. He, they drift. He's like, oh, this is my time again. It's it's always Marvin Harrison Jr.'s time. But when the play breaks down, he understands how to work back to his quarterback or the the area of the field that he he can find some space to make a play. He's just, you never want to call anyone a perfect prospect because that's impossible. But this dude, when he gets into the league, is the closest thing you get to a day one star. I agree. He is so good that we're going to have the conversations of who do you take, him or a quarterback? And that is almost unheard of. Unheard of. These parts. Because you, you won't feel good about it sometimes. You'd be what like, you mean? man, like you, talking about it? No, just that. You know, a superstar is out there and, and in the volatility of drafting quarterbacks. Mm, right. Where it's like, it's hard to pass on a guy that, like I said, like when I give him a tab of like, hey, I think this guy could be a tier one wide receiver in the league. It's really hard to to pass on that player, even with positional value taken into account. Sure. So, but the NFL draft is more of a game than necessarily that and that's why i think the conversations of what do you do at the very top of the draft are going to be a lot of fun uh all right let's go i'll I'll quick read my guys i'll go 20 to 1 just because i got these guys ranked to 20 and i just give you the names here uh 20 i got tory horton from colorado state 19 roman wilson from michigan 
Uh, 18, Johnny Wilson from Florida State. 17, uh, Jalen McMillan from Washington. 16, Ricky Pearsall, Florida. Good football player, folks. Senior Bowl. You want to to talk to me about Ricky Pearsall? Get in the comments. We'll talk for a while. Good football player. 15, I got Brandon Rice from USC. 14, Jalen Polk from Washington. Uh, 13, Xavier Worthy from Texas. 12, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. 11, Jermaine Burton from Alabama. 10, A.D. Mitchell from Texas. 9, Keon Coleman from Florida State. 8, Mecca Ibuka from Ohio State. 7, Lab McConkey from Georgia. 6, Troy Franklin from Oregon. 5, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU. 4, Devontez Walker from North Carolina. Uh, 3, Roma Dunze from Washington. 2, Malik Neighbors from LSU. And 1, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. All right, 15 for me, Jamari Thrash from Louisville, Malachi Corley at 14 from Western Kentucky, at 13, Xavier Worthy from Texas, at 12, Lad McConkey from Georgia, at 11, A.D. Mitchell from Texas, at 10, Jalen Polk from Washington, 9, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, 8, Keon Coleman from Florida State, 7, Emeka Buka from uh, Ohio State, at number six, Devontez Walker from UNC. At number five, Troy Franklin from Oregon. At number four, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU. At number three, Roma Dunze from Washington. And at number two, Malik Neighbors from LSU. Number one, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. We would love to hear from you. This was a 41-hour, 45-minute podcast about just the top 20 guys in this wide receiver class. And we know that there are some players that we didn't even get to that we'll get to talk about next time we revisit this position, probably sometime after the combine, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll do it a little bit before the combine, a little bit after the combine, whenever we end up doing it. I'll do we, comps after the combine. That's why I like that. Sure. Yeah. You get the official height and weight and test, which is good, which is good. I mean, you need that for comps. You know, these are kind of a, again, a lot of what we're saying here, preliminary stuff. We're watching the regular season film, but it's a long draft process where we get to figure out a lot more about these players, uh, see how they test athletically, what the real measurables are and some all-star performances, all that good stuff. But anyways, we would love to hear from you. Let us know what you thought of our wide receiver rankings. Give us your wide receiver rankings as well. Best way to do that. YouTube comments, youtube.com backslash at NFL stock exchange. Um, if you're watching this video, we would appreciate it. If you subscribe to it, if you like it, if you comment, it really helps uh, blow this bad boy up. We're almost at 15 K subscribers, which well, Holy cow. We love y'all so much. This is so much fun for us to not just do these podcasts, get our draft takes off, but also read everything from you guys. The last mock drafts oh, yeah. we did the fix your franchises. You guys are getting involved with your theories and what you would do. And like, that's what makes this all so much fun. So we appreciate y'all. We love y'all so much. If you're audio only, you can still hit us up at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J Rogers on both Instagram and Twitter. I had a couple of people hit me up with their uh, Patriots, like what they would do. And that was fun, man. It was fun to read you guys going so in depth about what you would do different things from what we would do, all the good stuff. We love to hear it all. So make sure that you hit us up. Um, not sure what we're doing Monday, but we're going to do, maybe we'll do another fixture franchise. You know, if you want to comment on this and Bears, say which one you got, Cardinals, Bears, Cardinals, you know, uh, Raiders. Like we got a lot of options oh, Raiders, here. So y'all Raiders hit us up, hit us up in the comments, which fixture franchise that you want to see next. But next week, we're also going to get to the next position ranking to be determined yet. We have a soft schedule, but we might talk about it literally after we hang up this podcast, so that might change. But it's going to be another position ranking. We're going to do this, I think, throughout the next month or so, throughout the holiday season as we get into Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl season, all that good stuff. Connor, got anything else before we get out of here? No, always a blast, my friend. Two hours with you going through these wide receivers. I hope everybody enjoys it as much as we did. We love this position group, and uh, it's a beauty. It's an absolute beauty. It's a beauty. It's a beast. 
It's all the above. I'm Trevor Sykema. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to this long extended version of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We will see you guys again on Monday.